This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. So Ezekiel 22:30 says this, just one verse here. And I sought for a man among them that they should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Let's pray, shall we? Father, bless this time we have together. Open our hearts, minds, and understanding to the word of God. May Jesus Christ be honored and glorified, I pray. Lord, take my inabilities and do something with them for your glory, I pray. Lord, may I be emptied of sin itself and filled with your wonderful spirit so I can say those things, be pleasing in your sight. And that when I leave here tonight, that the people of this dear church would have a fresh vision of what's going on in the churches out there and that they can see that we, will, we are willing to go and help these churches avoid a lot of pitfalls that they fall into as they try to find their next pastor. So bless this time we have together this evening and bless this church for having us here this evening. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Okay. Now, we, we, have, uh, we face some problems in, in churches. Here's some of the problems that we face. Number one, did you know that 40 preachers quit the ministry every week? 40. And did you know that 80 churches close every week? Did you know that out of every 1,000 new churches that we start, 3,000 close? So we're behind all the time. And one other thing I found out just a, two or three months ago as I was visiting a church, the pastor got up and said, he said, folks, did you know that we lost 1,500 independent Baptist churches during COVID? We don't, we don't have any room to be giving away 1,500 independent Baptist churches. And so this is another reason that we're doing the things that we're doing. And we just learned about that. I've only, I've only been doing this here for about three and a half or four months because I just relinquished my church on Easter Sunday this year. And so we're just getting out and just getting into churches and getting to meet uh, pastors and things. I've known Brother Asher for some time and uh, some of the other pastors that where I've been, I, I've known for some time. I have been to a few places that I didn't know the people, uh, but we've been well-received everywhere we've been. Uh, we appreciate all those who've encouraged us along the way. Now, pastors leave the churches for various reasons. Um, some are called home to be with the Lord. And we never know what, when that's going to take place. None of us do. Uh, when I was up in Indiana, the church up there lost their pastor because he had a couple of heart attacks and he began to come down with dementia. Could not pastor anymore. And they had been without a pastor for 10 months when I arrived on the scene. Uh, we didn't get everything done in Indiana. We wanted to get done because they had some problems with the internet at the church because uh, our goal was to teach them as much as I could teach them in two weeks, get them up and running on the internet to put some things out about their church so they get some resumes. Um, so I think it's been out there now about a week. I haven't talked to Brother Jerry, who's up there, but the last time I talked to him, just in two or three days after we put it on the Internet, they had already had four resumes in there. So uh, that's our goal, and we would, I would go through there and uh, teach them every step of the way of what they need to do, what they need to look for, how they need to read resumes, what to look for in the resume, and what we require when we put this out, and what, and what we, um, we ask the people to do. Now, um, some, some pastors retire, some pastors um, resign, and some pastors just quit. I've heard some of my friends say, I don't know if there's any preachers here tonight that does that or not, but anyway, I've heard some of my friends say that they have a, they have a resignation letter in the top drawer on the right-hand side of their desk. 
and said, if you like pulling out and reading it every, Sunday, every Monday, I'll turn it in. And I looked at them and said, what's ailing you guys? <laughs> you know, I just don't know. Um, but anyway, I've never felt like that. I did walk into my church one Sunday night, though, however, and I, was, and I had so few people there that Sunday night, I felt like throwing a tile in. But you know what? God taught me a lesson. Here's what God taught me. God said, take your eyes off the people and put them on me. That revolutionized my ministry. It changed, it changed uh, my outlook on preaching. I said, if I got a handful, if I got a church full, I'm going to preach the same way. You know, give them the word of God. That's what we do. So, now, as the pastor said a while ago, that when a pastor leaves or resigns or whatever, leaves the church, he doesn't have, if he's, if he's leaving to go to his next church, the pastor does not have enough time to get together. Everything needs to be gotten together in the church to get ready for the next guy coming in because he's busy packing. Trust me. It took me six weeks to move stuff out of my office home. That's past 30 days, okay? <laughs> you didn't figure that out. That's past 30 days. Now, so, um, so a pastor, he's packing his house up. He's getting everything ready to go to his next destination. And so he just doesn't have the time to put all that together for the church. And so that's, that's some of the reasons um, why we want to go there to help these churches because it is a crucial time and many people in the churches do not know what to do to actually get started in this. I talked to a lady one day. She had seen me preaching over at the village at Woods Edge, which is a retirement village. And I told her that I had just resigned and I was getting ready to go into this ministry to help churches find their next pastor. And uh, I told her we found our pastor and he was in position in seven months. And she said, oh my, the church I was in took us seven months just to get the pulpit committed together. That's a big problem. The churches have the tendency to drag their feet and when we go in there, we're going to speed the process up for them. We're going to kind of push them along a little bit because I've learned that if you drag your feet, you may miss the man God wants to send to your church. So that's important. We have to work rapidly but not run ahead of God. So those things are important. The churches flounder when they don't have a pastor. The church becomes stagnant. Uh, the churches lose members. The congregation becomes discouraged. The devil comes in and sows discord. And you've got all kinds of problems of that. That's the kind of thing we want to head off. So the sooner a church calls us and wants us to come and help them, we can get there, head off some of these problems, and hold the church together for the next man to come in, helping the church go through the process that needs to be go gone through to help them find their next pastor with God's help. Now, uh, the church, if the church closes, here's some things that happen. Church property is lost. Church buildings are lost. Thousands of dollars of the Lord's money is lost. This might be the only testimony in town for the, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if the doors close, where is the testimony for Jesus there? And where will the people go who attended the church? So uh, revivals are gone. Soul winning is gone. No one to take the gospel to the lost. Mission conferences are gone. Mission programs are gone. Uh, worldwide outreach and missionary support is lost and church ministers are gone. Vacation Bible schools are gone. Ladies ministers are gone. The community outreach is gone. And Satan wins. The Bible says that, you know, the gates of hell is not going to prevail against the church, but the gates of hell are pushing hard on the church today. And I want to go to the church and put my shoulder to the stone and push back against Satan. I want to do my best, what I can, to help keep the churches open for the Lord Jesus Christ because we need those testimonies in those communities for the Lord. 
We need, we need the churches who are missionary-minded to continue on supporting the missionaries that are on the field. And we need the people who are, who are minded of to win people to the Lord Jesus Christ, that there will still be a testimony there and people will still be going to tell others about Jesus. Now, we have a plan. We can bring stability to the church. Uh, we can be there to help the people during these difficult times. We can bring encouragement to the congregation. We can remind them <clears throat> that God is still on the throne, that God still answers prayer, and God can still do great things. We can bring guidance and hope to the church, and we're ready to help the church in any way that we can so that church can remain open and go forward. If the church doesn't have a pulpit committee already, then I'll talk to the congregation and I'll try to figure out the best I can who are the most spiritual people in the church to try to have a pulpit committee. And then what we'll do is we'll, we'll, uh, we'll put it on the internet so people will know and give a contact number, contact email address, things like this, <clears throat> so they can contact, contact the church and send in <clears throat> resumes. Now, I can teach the pulpit committee how to read resumes, what to look for in resumes. And so if we see something, if they don't believe the Bible the church uses, then uh, <clears throat> that goes in one pile. And if they don't use the right kind of music, that goes in that pile over there. And the ones that uh, follow the examples of the church, uh, we put that in another pile. And then after we uh, go through this process, then we'll go through and number them, one, two, three, four, five, whatever it is, the ones that the church thinks are the ones they'd like to have come into their church. And then we'll start from the number one. We'll call that one first, and we'll work through the details and things. <clears throat> Personally, I do not believe in parading preachers in front of a church. I think it comes into it becomes a beauty contest, and you might not get the one God has for the church. So we go through there. We look at the resumes, and we, we hear them preach. We go to Zoom. We, we uh, have an interview with them on Zoom, and we, we uh, go to a place that they send us so we can hear them preach and see them preach. Um, so we're looking every aspect we can look at to try to match the man up with the church. And we're looking for God's man. You know, there are good churches and bad churches. There are good pastors and bad pastors. We want to put the good pastors and the good churches together to the best of our ability. Now, we ask for some things, a doctrinal statement. Uh, we, want a, we want a short paragraph about how they got saved. We, we want a website where we can hear and see them preach. We want a current picture of the family. We need at least four references. And one problem that churches have, many churches, especially small churches, don't call references. You have got to call references today. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it because we have specific questions we ask the references. We don't get on the phone and say, hey, uh, how do you know this guy? Tell me a little bit about him, this kind of thing. Oh, no, we're asking pointed questions like, has this person ever mistreated any children anyway? Has this person, uh, have you heard of anything that the person did as far as mishandling the money at the church? You know, we want to try to weed out as much of that stuff as we can because we don't want to bring problems into the church. Most churches have enough problems without bringing problems into the church. So we, re we require those things. Now, here's something. When we think about having a vision, we think about the verse in the Bible where there is no vision, the people perish. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Just like Ezekiel, when we think about, uh, I look for a man to stand in the gap, I found none. We think about Ezekiel, whatever. As, uh, we have to realize and understand that we have sister churches out there, which most of them are much smaller than your church here. But they're hurting when they lose their pastor. 
I was in a church one Sunday in South Carolina not too long ago, and I didn't know anything about it. My granddaughter goes there. She didn't know anything about it, but somebody stood up and said something that made me think the pastor's not there anymore. And um, they were a large church. I, I would say it was probably 500 or 700 people there in that church that day. And a church that size, it's a good possibility they have a leadership in the church to be able to do the things they need to do to bring the next pastor in. You take a small church, you may not have that. And then basically, that probably be the churches I'll be going to is the smaller churches to be able to help them find their next pastor. So to have a fresh vision, our vision needs to be this. We have sister churches out there that are closing. And we need to do all we can as God's people to come together to try to rescue those churches for the Lord. I got a question. Anybody here got a money tree in their backyard? Let me see. I don't see any hands over here, none there, none on the side. What's wrong? Ah, shucks. I thought somebody would have a money tree, and I was going to ask you to give me a seed so I could take it home and plant it in my backyard. We all know that's not possible. And this ministry is a unique ministry in going in. We're doing more than just being an interim pastor there. We're getting in there and working with these people to really help them find their next pastor. And so we're getting in, we roll our sleeves up to help them do this work for the Lord. So if we get a fresh vision of helping our sister churches, we'll have more churches out there supporting missions and more churches winning souls to Christ and more uh, churches and communities that do not have a gospel witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's basically what my ministry is about. And if you have any questions about that later, uh, please feel free to ask, and I'll be glad to uh, answer it for you. So let me briefly share some things with you about standing in the gap. Did you realize that Ezekiel was not the only man that ever stood in the gap? Now, most of the time we think about the passage we just read in Ezekiel, we think about Ezekiel standing in the gap. Well, I got some examples here for you. Don't have much time, but I'll try to run them through here. Number one, the first example I thought about was Noah. Did not Noah stand in the gap? He stayed, he, Noah stood in the gap between God and the world and the animal kingdom. Jesus stood in the gap between God and the world. Tremendous picture of how Noah stood in the gap to save the world. Jesus stood in the gap to save the world. Noah was obedient. And a lot of things get done for God when people are obedient. When we do what God wants us to do, we can see things done for God. I'm a firm believer of seeking first the kingdom of God and all these other things be added unto you. I'm a firm believer of that. I've seen it over and over again in my life, putting God first, doing what God wants you to do. And it seems like, you know, some people look at it and say, well, what do you do all that for? Because I love God. Amen. I want to serve God. I want to walk with God. I'm looking forward to walking with him when we get to heaven. There's one song we sang tonight. You know, in the church we in this morning, they sang a song. It's called, I Need You More Today Than Yesterday. I need him every day, you know. I need his help every day. And I know when I go into this new ministry and I start going to churches, I really need his help every, every day. So Noah is the first guy I thought about uh, that, was, uh, uh, that stood in the gap. The second one I thought about was Moses. 
She stood in the gap between God and his people when they were down in Egypt. You remember the story. But what I want to bring to you, the attention is this. He went in there and told uh, Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh said no every time. So the last time, he came back and he told, uh, he told all the people of Israel, he said, listen, he said, you need to kill your little lamb. It's got to be a certain age. It's got to be on this date you got to do it. And you got to take the blood from that lamb. You got to put it over the door and down by the door. Okay. He said, because God's going to come through here and kill all the firstborn in every house, whether it's an Israelite house or whether it's an Egyptian house. If you don't have the blood of your door, somebody there is going to die. All right, the instructions were put the blood over the door. Is this book full of the blood? Absolutely. Okay, now, I'm gonna give an illustration here. All right, let's, let's pretend this is the um, uh, container of blood that they had. I don't know what they put the blood in, a little bowl or something there. Let's, let's say they took the blood and they just set it down here beside the door. Yeah, I said, I didn't have time to go out and get me a, you know, a little brush and put it over the door, you know, down by the door. And so we killed the lamb. <clears throat> We've killed the lamb. We had a sacrifice and all this. And so I'm just going to put my bowl of blood down here by the door. Here's what I believe. If the bowl of blood had been put down there by the door, the people still would have died. Here's, here's my illustration. How many houses that people live in are not saved have a Bible on the coffee table. They got the blood right there. Blood's there. But you know what? The problem was the blood's not been applied. And the blood's got to be applied just like taking it out of that little bowl and putting it over the door. That's the application of it. Put it there. And that's what saved their life was the application of the blood. Now, Jesus has died for everyone in the world, right? Is everyone going to be saved? No. Why? Because it didn't apply the blood. They may have heard about Jesus. They may know Jesus died on the cross for their sins. But they have not applied the blood to their own hearts and lives. And as a result of that, the judgment of God would fall upon them. God said, when I see the blood in Egypt, he said, when I see the blood, he said, I will pass over you. That means the judgment of God will pass over them and they will not be affected by the judgment of God. Every person, every family in the house that had the blood over the door and down by the door, when the judgment of God came, they were safe. Hey, the day is going to come, I'm going to die. Don't know when the day is going to be. But one day I will. And when I die, I know where I'm going. And it's not to hell. I'm going to heaven. Because the blood has been sprinkled on my heart and life and my soul. And God said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. That's what that was about in Egypt. It's a, it's a forerunner of what Christ is going to do for us. Moses stood in the gap because they followed the word of God, which the man of God was given to the people of God. They were spared the judgment of God. And how many times have we seen in the Old Testament that the people of God just refused to do what God said? You know what? Just because they were the people of God didn't mean that God didn't come after them and bring judgment on them. I'm convinced that we as God's people have to live for God and honor God with our lives if we expect to see God do great things in our lives. Then I think of the greatest person of all is Jesus. How Jesus stood in the gap for the world so we could be saved, so we could have everlasting life by placing our faith and trust in him. 
Without Jesus, we're lost. We're undone. We, we don't have any hope. A person might say, oh, I've been a good person. Based on what? What are you basing it on? What are you comparing it to? You know, the Bible says we all come short of the glory of God. Who's that? That's Jesus Christ. You know, um, I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I'm a Christian. Even though I have all that, my sins are forgiven, I still don't measure up to Jesus. I will never measure up to Jesus. I am looking forward to the day, though, that when I get to heaven, I can go to him and bow down before him and worship him and thank him. I'm looking, after, he, after I do that, I don't know how long I'll be down on my face. Do you? I don't know how long that will be. But I guarantee you this, I'm going to bow because I love him and I recognize who he is. And when he says, get up, whatever, I don't know when that'll be. When he says, get up with this permission, I want to hug him and kiss him on the cheek and whisper in his ear, thank you, Lord, for what you did for me. I'm looking forward to that, to be with my wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus paid the price. He stood in the gap. He was on the cross. He paid the price as he was on the cross. Look, he was high and lifted up, the Bible says. What was that? That's a picture of him standing between God and us. And so when we looked to the cross, we trust Christ as our Savior. I'm reminded of a story in Moses' day when the children of Israel murmured and the snakes came in, bit people, and they died. They put a serpent on a pole in the middle of the camp, remember? And what did they have to do to be saved from the bite? Maybe the bite is a picture of sin. I don't know. I've never thought about that before, but maybe it's a bite of sin which causes death. All they had to do was look where that was. Listen, I, I can't see Jesus. I can't see the cross. I can't see any of those things. I wasn't there uh, when Jesus was crucified. But the Bible tells me I need to repent of my sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. That's what the Bible says. And I believe the Bible's true. I believe it's God's word. And then so uh, Jesus is the greatest person who stood in the gap. Quickly, the Apostle Paul, I think of him as a great man that stood in the gap. He trusted Christ as his Savior. You know, he hated the church at first, persecuted the church, but he trusted Christ as his Savior. And then he went on to, to, to win people to the Lord Jesus Christ. He went all up around the eastern part of the Mediterranean Sea, went down Greece and uh, started a lot of churches because he led people to Christ. So he started these churches so the people could get together and hear the word of God preached and proclaimed and they could be saved. And once they, once they got saved, he started the churches to put these people in so they can continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul stood between Christ and the people and that we have the church that's standing between Jesus and the community. The church, your church, is standing in the gap here in Chesapeake for the Lord Jesus Christ. God is planting this church here for a purpose, and that's winning souls to Christ, to send that missionaries all over the world to do the work that needs to be done for the Lord Jesus. There's not one of us in here that could learn all the languages of the world in a lifetime. So we put, we put our money together uh, in different ways. Some churches use faith promise. I imagine that's what y'all use here. I'm not sure. Y'all use faith promise here? And some churches use faith promise and some use some other methods to raise money for their missionaries and things like this. So we, what we're doing, we're pooling our money together to help send all these many missionaries you guys have all over your walls here to different places God's called these people to, to win, for the purpose of winning souls to Christ. All kinds of ministries, but to win souls to Christ. 
So Paul stood in the gap. And then I think about, uh, here, here's what the church is to do. The church is the institution where we get our next generation of preachers and missionaries. Uh, this is where the word of God is preached. This is where believers grow in the grace and grace and knowledge of the Lord, and they mature. This is the place that ordains preachers and missionaries. This is the place where uh, witnesses for Christ are born. This is the place where preaching saves souls. This is the place where preaching makes a difference in people's lives, and people's lives are changed. And this is the place where missionaries are supported all over the world. Now I think the church of Philippi stood in the gap for the apostle Paul as they sent him once and again to meet his needs on the mission field. However... Paul gently rebuked them because they failed to be consistent in their giving. We as God's people should not fail to be consistent in our giving to the work of God, whether it's giving to our local church or giving to the missionary program of the church. We need to be consistent because those missionaries need our finances so they can stay on the field to do the work God has called them to do. And your church needs our finances, which I believe tithing is a baseline of our giving to support our church and the church needs our finances do we all couldn't have a nice building to sit in couldn't have comfortable pews to sit on couldn't have lights burning it'd be terrible if we had, had candles in here preaching this stuff you know it'd be you know so i mean god's work operates through the giving the generosity of god's people that's how it works and then uh then i think about um how god has called my wife and i to stand in the gap to help churches who've lost their pastor because at first, when I got ready to retire, I thought I'd be like an interim pastor somewhere. I'd go there to help the church, just preach, you know, and things like this. I'd go home or whatever, I was, where I was staying. But we went to a seminar at Ambassador Baptist College about three years ago, and they talked about rescuing churches. And when I heard, I was there for all day seminar, when I heard the things that, that the speakers had to say, and they got up and said this, we do not have very many men who will go out and do this kind of work to go in and rescue the churches and keep them going for God. So I looked at my wife and said, I think this is what God would have us to do. And so that's what, we're, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to go forth. We want to do this. As I said, we're just getting started in this. We need your prayers. Would you please pray for us? And would you ask God to supply our needs as we get ready to do this ministry for him? Because we cannot do it alone. We are going to have to have the help of God's people to get this job done. So please pray for us. Let's pray, shall we? Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for the good things you do for us. Thank you for the blessings that you give to us. We ask God that you would bless this church, bless this pastor. We pray for those, Lord, who who were hurt in the accident. We're so thankful, Lord, you spared everyone's life. We ask now, Lord, you reach down and lay your hand upon them and heal those that were injured. We know, God, you are powerful and you can do great things, and the Bible tells us to pray for the sick. And so we come to you, Lord, because we know you have a healing hand, and we know you can reach down and touch people and help them recover from their illnesses and from accidents like this. Father, I just ask, Lord, you bless the missionary program of this church as they have many missionaries. I pray that you'd use them and uh, that they'll go forth and be a great witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that, Lord, you'd help my wife and I as we venture out in this new ministry to try to rescue churches 
so they'll keep standing for the Lord and be able to be open in their communities to reach people for the Lord Jesus Christ and support missionaries. We ask, Lord, for your help in all these things. Lord, if there's somebody here uh, this evening who does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts and help them to see that Jesus stood in the gap for them so they wouldn't have to die and go to hell. He paid the price so they could have everlasting life. He wants them to be saved. They've got, they've got to be covered with the blood to have their sins washed away so the judgment of God would not fall upon them. Speak to their hearts, Lord, I pray. Uh, draw them close to yourself, Lord. May they know that there's a God in heaven that loves them, paid a tremendous price so they could be saved. And Lord, for the Christians that are here tonight, I pray that you'd help them to get a fresh vision of what needs to be done in the work of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.